Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This A's cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This week is a powerful community spotlight segment as we focus on ALS. The month of May is awareness for ALS. Dr. Sharon Hesterly joins us. She's the Chief Research Officer for Muscular Dystrophy Association. Also, Glennis Murray is with us, the Developmental Manager for ALS.net. Audra Hines is with us, VI, the VP uh, of Care Services. There's a lot to get to. And I just want to, Dr. Hesley, I want to start at the very beginning. Just the, the the real numbers that are out there on a daily basis, the things that folks need to know about ALS, where it is in our world, how it affects so many people, and, and kind of bring us up to speed in that regard. Sure. So ALS is actually one of the more common neurodegenerative disorders in adult. It's still rare, but it's a common rare, if that makes sense. So we estimate probably about 30,000 people in the U.S. may be affected by ALS, living with ALS right now, and possibly as many as 500,000 worldwide. So as, as we look at where we are today, as you may know, Stephen Piscotti was a player for the athletics his mom succumbed to ALS. Uh, those of us that are in baseball know that Lou Gehrig Day is coming up in early June. The A's will be celebrating their uh, ALS Awareness Day, Lou Gehrig Day, on June 12th. What has that meant? Maybe Audra and Glennis, you can talk about how this has helped create some awareness that Major League Baseball has, for obvious reasons, finally come on board and used their form to help create more attention, opportunity to raise uh, more funds to, to work on hopefully eradicating this disease. Yeah, I think a lot of people knew a little bit about ALS just because of the ice bucket challenge back in 2014. Um, But I think at that point, people did it because it was something fun to do. And they knew eh, there was something to do with ALS, but that was kind of about it. I think once we started getting Lou Gehrig's day for June 2nd, it's starting to bring it to the forefront and that's huge for this disease because this disease is not incurable it's just very underfunded and so bringing it to the to the forefront and making sure that people understand that you might not know what ALS is right now until you meet it personally and then you, you know it unfortunately to the point of you know devastation so bringing Lou Gehrig's day to the masses is just huge for us. Yeah, I'll chime in. I, um, as part of the Golden West chapter of the ALS Association, I think we have so many families who are big baseball fans, right? And this has really meant something to them, um, both personally and, you know, now having an opportunity to participate in events like this once the disease has touched them so personally, either for themselves or somebody in their family. Um, It also raises awareness um, for us as an organization so that people understand what we do in terms of care services, advocacy, and research 
on behalf of people living with ALS and their families. Um, they know how to find us. They know what we offer um, by participating in outreach events like this, just to learn more about the disease and what we do. Audrey, you, you touched on the care services, and it's not just for the person that's been diagnosed with ALS, but how it directly impacts the family, the challenges they have just in daily living. What has that experience been like? What, what are you watching basically on the front line trying to find the best way to, to, to make these situations as comfortable as possible? You're right. I, it's it's not just about serving the person with ALS. It's everybody in their family, too. And I think it's supporting family members as caregivers. We certainly see um, family members of all ages becoming caregivers for the person with ALS, whether they're a, a teenager or a parent of a person with ALS. We really see that span, and we want to be there to provide training and support for the caregivers, too, while also providing information and resources and referrals to ALS specialists so that we know they're seeing uh, one of the best uh, multidisciplinary care teams that they can to exactly as you just said, Vince, uh, to provide the best quality of life possible uh, while the person and the family are all navigating the challenges of the disease. Dr. Hester Lee, what are, what are the symptoms? And also when people think about ALS and wondering, is this something that would necessarily be a part of my family that would be in other uh, areas of disease where it could potentially be passed down. Where is ALS on that on that platform? Yeah, ALS is a neurodegenerative disease, so it usually strikes later in life. Um, usually, you know, 60s, 70s. It can it can occur earlier, but it's usually a later onset disease. And what people typically notice first is some kind of muscle weakness. They may have some tremors as well and muscle weakness. That gradually gets worse and eventually um, they will receive a diagnosis of ALS um, and it's caused when the big uh, nerve cells that control your muscles start to die so you gradually lose um, the ability to control your voluntary movements but it also eventually affects breathing and swallowing and so it's, it's a really tough disease um, the most of the cases are what we call sporadic that means that there may be no family history it seems to sort of come out of the blue and we truly don't know what causes the sporadic cases, although we suspect it's some interplay between some kind of environmental exposure. It may be something in your genetic background, but it's not a sort of smoking gun. But then a small percentage of cases are familiar, so they are inherited. And we under, we're learning a lot about the disease based on those familial kinds of it. So Dr. Esterly, in the baseball community, we learned last year, one of our favorite people that is on the media side, Sarah Langs, is dealing with ALS. She's a young, vibrant researcher, was for ESPN, has been for MLB, has been on the MLB network many, many times. And we're, we're, we're slowly watching what's happening to her on a daily basis when she has the strength and the opportunity to be public and do the things that she loves to do. Her great line is baseball is the best and just her passion for the sport. They say the lifespan is two to five years. There have been certainly other numbers outside of that. What can you give us from an encouraging point of view as you thought as you talk about trying to attack this disease? Yeah, I mean, ALS has been tough. Um, you know, we've worked on it for a long time with some really smart people. Uh, but lately, that we've had four drugs approved now. We just had another approval very recently. And so I think that does uh, really lead to some hope that with each drug approval and possibly even using those drugs in combination, 
we might start to make some solid inroads on this disease. Glennis, this this was right at your doorstep, literally, with your husband Vince, who was diagnosed and then passed away, actually days before the wedding, which is why the ALS Therapy Institute is something that you're very much a part of. Can you tell that story and and you know from from having what you felt like was the beginning, it was going to be a tremendous life yeah. together, all this excitement, and then suddenly having to face these challenges, and now you believe this is something I have to work on for others things that I've learned and, and ways that I can help people get through this very difficult circumstance. Yeah, so Vince and I had met back in uh, 2011 at a San Francisco Giants game. And um, he was diagnosed with ALS two days before our wedding. Let me tell you, super fun honeymoon. And um, he was a very private person and we just kind of kept it between you know friends and family. And unfortunately, his was familial because his mother had passed away from ALS about six years prior to him. And uh, I remember asking at the very beginning when we first started dating, is that something that's hereditary? Because I had never heard of ALS. I had heard of Lou Gehrig's disease, but I didn't know what it was. And um, boy, have I learned a lot since then, obviously. Um, so yeah, he'd passed away and he knew and I definitely decided to take him up on it that as he, private as he was about you know what we were going through, he knew that as soon as he passed away, I would use our story to try and make a difference in this world. And that's exactly basically what I did. I started to do small fundraisers for ALS TDI. And um, after five or six years of that, they actually called and offered me a job to work for them doing basically exactly what I was doing as a volunteer. Um, but now I get to reach out to families and um, help them through like their darkest days. I mean, this disease is just an absolute devastation. And um, I stay in this fight because since he did have familial ALS, I worry about his kids, which, you know, he had kids before we were married. Um, I worry about them. I worry about his brother, his brother's kids. Like, it is still a family fight, and I refuse to lose him in vain. And so I went to work for ALS TDI as a fundraiser, and I absolutely am just honored to be able to help the community in some way, shape, or form. Audrey, if, when people go to uh, ALSGoldenWest.org, which is the website which you're a part of, what's the information they will find there? What can they learn about how they can maybe get involved uh, from that specific chapter. Absolutely. There are so many ways to get involved with the ALS community and with the Golden West chapter, whether that's participating in some of our walk or ride events that happen all throughout our 31 counties of California or the state of Hawaii is the territory that we cover. Um, you can also get involved from an advocacy perspective too, uh, legislative advocacy on the state level or the federal level. We're always looking for more advocates to help us. Um, we have a range of events and and volunteer opportunities throughout the year. Um, there, there's no shortage of ways to get involved. Um, even for those living with ALS, sometimes that's participating in support groups or in our webinars, um, really being involved on the programmatic side too, so that they can participate, but learn something as well too. We serve um, almost 2,000 families a year uh, with ALS uh, throughout our our geographic area and um, there really is something for everyone. I always tell people that we really try to meet people where they're at in this journey with the disease.
Dr. Hesterly, we noticed during the pandemic, it seemed like pharmaceutical companies had a common goal, and that was to, to attempt to find vaccines to alleviate what was happening, not only in the United States, but around the world. And in talking with somebody like Mike Piscotti, who's certainly very much at the forefront because of what has happened to his family, one thing he mentioned to me is trying to find a way that with all the very smart people that you've discussed, how they'll all come together and work together instead of having maybe kind of a disjointed path that's not united. How does that happen? And, and do you see that as maybe part of the way to, to continue the pathway to, to ultimately you know, get the right testing, get the right DNA uh, samples and, and get to a point where maybe we can find a way to, to fight back against ALS? Yeah, no, I agree. When you treat something like it's an emergency, like we did in the pandemic, you see how fast the progress can be made. And I think that's the way we have to approach ALS. And I think we're on the track to do that. Uh, the Act for ALS passed um, earlier, and you know we were involved in many other advocates as well in, in getting that Act passed. And then it requires that there's a certain amount of coordination the development of an overall plan and coordination between uh, many of the entities, a public-private partnership in the space to really focus on getting things moving in the ALS and getting, getting the research coordinated and getting goals identified that everyone can pull towards at the same time. So I think we're on track to do that. More funding always helps. I do still, I agree that this area is still underfunded, um, but we're starting to all row together, which I think is really helpful. One thing that I noticed in preparing for this conversation was looking at it from the standpoint that there are folks that have been in the military that suddenly may have a higher percentage of uh, succumbing to ALS. My son-in-law spent seven years with the Army. He's about to be the father to my first grandchild. So oh. suddenly is, is, is closing in on my shores. What have you, what have you found on why that is that way with the military? Maybe, Dr. Hestrel, you have some answers to that, and either Otto or Glennis, you can respond as well. Uh, well, I mean, people have looked for a long time for associations, and ALS is uh, considered, you know, a covered entity for military service. Um, there, again, there's not a real smoking gun, but there's some evidence. It started with Gulf War veterans that they had a higher uh, potential chance of developing ALS, and it could be environmental exposure. Certainly people in the military get exposed to a lot of different compounds and substances. Um, there have also been associations, uh, in some case with athletes, um, European soccer players or football, it's, it's known there. Um, there has been some association as well, and we don't completely understand what that is. People looked at everything from the fertilizers used on the field to potential head injuries that might precipitate it. Um, so there are some loose associations, including with military service, but we don't have a good handle yet, again, on what could be a single cause. Yeah, and just to piggyback onto that, um, probably 10 to 12 percent of the people we serve every year are veterans. I, I know the other piece that's been looked at, too, is it doesn't necessarily matter which branch of the service you've been in. Um, it doesn't seem to discriminate one over the other. Glennis, working at the Therapy Institute, what, what has been your experience on that end of, of the fight? Well, I, I think they've, they've had numbers that are something like uh, veterans are about 50% more inclined to develop ALS. Um, 
I am definitely not a researcher, so I cannot speak to that, but it does seem to make me think, you know, maybe there's stress of the muscles at boot camp. Maybe that, you know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of different ways that, you know, it can come into play, but it is definitely something that, you know, our, our researchers are looking into specifically. And the, the way we actually can look through that is uh, something that we just started called the ARC program. It's the ALS Research Collaborative, and it's an ambitious global initiative that will help us understand ALS. So people living with ALS would actually participate in this program. It's like a natural study of ALS. And our researchers can actually learn about other people's ALS while we're working towards finding therapies and cures. So the ARC program is definitely a new uh, idea for us, but it's definitely been a longstanding program that has just basically evolved so we can actually share our research with every other researcher within the world. So we're very collaborative about what we're trying to accomplish. And as a nonprofit, we don't care who ends ALS. We just want to make it go faster at this point. Glennis, you're with ALS.net. That's the website that people can go to to get more information about the Therapy Institute and, and what's available there. The simple question is for the folks like me that it, it, it hasn't touched me specifically, but I'm certainly understanding of the disease and have some some uh, history, education of, about learning it. What, what about a, for lack of a better term, what's the call to action for somebody that's listening and saying, well, it, it's probably not something that's gonna affect me, but I still want to help those that it has affected. Where do people go for that? Well, I would say you can go to probably any of the organizations here um, that have volunteer opportunities. You can always volunteer. You can help. You can raise money, which, you know, we will distribute in, in very helpful ways. Um, and just spreading the word. I think spreading awareness. If you read an article about ALS and you want to share that online, I think that's also very helpful. Just so that people know what this disease is and what it's about. Um, Well, so we look at the day, June 12th, here at the Coliseum. It's a game against the Tampa Bay Rays ALS Day. Uh, as a person that's worked in the sport, I watched, you know, I know the story of Lou Gehrig. I know why this, why the disease bears his name and watching a, a, a vibrant, strong, af athletic person then wither away before our very eyes. And the reality is that this is a fatal disease. I mean, that that's... That's the thing that I think probably hits you right in the face is that as, as uh, Dr. Esterly, you're on the front lines of, of finding research and Audra and Glennis, you're certainly developing advocacy and awareness, but that, that fight is one right now that it's difficult to win. It's just, it's a scenario where you can try to slow the process down and with lives lasting longer, uh, there seems to be a, a higher percentage because of people are simply living longer. But as we move off of that, give me some hope. Audra, Dr. Hesterly, Glennis, once you all go, and in your times dealing with this, the things that you've noticed, the positive areas that, that you've been able to, to use to keep yourself in the fight, and those that are definitely involved in the fight, having that kind of hope. Where, where, did, where have you gone for that? We'll start with you, Audra. 
Sure. Thanks for asking. It's a great question. I've been with the chapter for about four years, so working in the ALS space for that time. And even in that short amount of time, we've already seen a couple of new uh, treatment approvals, right, that have happened most very recently for people living with ALS that I think are providing a lot of hope. And I think um, even if one of these medications is not necessarily something a person could take right now, I think it's a great launching pad for more research to come for the future too. It's one of the reasons that research is such an important focus for the Golden West chapter. It's an important funding focus. It's important for our families um, that we promote clinical trials and help people really understand how they can get involved in research. Um, so I think even in my time here, it's been fascinating for me to just watch that science evolve. Um, and I think that that's hope for us and it's hope for people living with ALS. Dr. Hester Lee, where, where would you go with, uh with those thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been in this space for over 20 years now and have seen a lot evolve. And I think with science, sometimes it feels like things move very, very slowly and they seem to. But behind the scenes, you're kind of building up this critical mass of information. And then that comes together in some way where you really can make big leaps forward. And I feel like we're on the cusp of something that could be a big leap and have really meaningful improvements um, around this disease. And so that's what I think I take as hope is it's been a long and frustrating, you know, journey as, as many drugs have failed, even with some approvals, but I, that, that critical mass of knowledge has continued to build and we're really close. We're almost there. And Glennis? I would say I attribute a lot of this hope right now to the ALS community. The community has gone from sitting in the background and just taking a diagnosis and getting your affairs in order and that's what you need to do to suddenly now people are starting to speak up. They're starting to, you know, um, talk to the FDA. They're starting to do things that, you know, have never been done before. And that's really because of the determination, I feel, of the ALS community themselves. Um, if they feel like they don't have an advocate, they're going to become their own advocate for this disease. And I find that when you're told to go home and get your affairs in order, it almost pushes you forward to look for something like, I'm going to prove I can do this. And with that positive energy, I feel like there's a lot that can be done. I tell people all the time, I know that it feels like things are slow, but honestly, this is the most amount of hope I have seen in three years than I have, you know, in five or seven. And it doesn't move fast enough for everyone. I know that I didn't move fast enough for my Vince, but it's going to move fast enough for someone's dad or for someone's mom or for someone's son. And that's why I keep working at this. Well, ladies, I, I really appreciate the information, the advocacy. Uh, that you bring forth as we continue to deal with ALS. Dr. Sharon Hester-Lee at MDA.org, Chief Research Officer for Muscular Dystrophy Association. Also, our thanks to Glennis Murray, www.als.net, the developmental manager there for the ALS Therapy Institute, and Audra Hines, who is a part of the chapter of the ALS Golden West chapter, ALSGoldenWest.org. You can find out information about donating. You can find out information about volunteering. You can find out information about advocacy and just generally find information if you think this is something that you might be experiencing and not really sure where you are in that process. And I'm sure these 
various websites can help you along and in that uh, process as well. Ladies, thank you so much. It's been a powerful conversation and wish you all the best. Look forward to seeing you as we provide awareness at the Coliseum on uh, June 12th for ALS Day. Thank you. Thanks. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Ben. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 